The Lord be with you. And also lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We welcome you this Sunday to ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. On this World Communion Sunday, we celebrate our faith with those the globe over who share in faith and the words of faith. El Señor es mi pastor, nada me falta. En verdes pastos, el me hace reposar. Adonde brota agua fresca me conduce fortaleza mi alma. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Let us join together in the opening prayer as it is found in our bulletin. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. 
Please be seated. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or husband, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. For God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you do not sin. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in the praying of Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, with the Antiphon. and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong person runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and it is circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. And they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Today, as we pray and preside and preach before this holy meal, we shall consider the coin in Jesus' hand. Our Gospel could not have arrived by surprise, collision, and apocalypse at a more opportune time. Has there been, in two generations, a week more laden with questions about government, about money, about finance, about authority, and 
for you, the person of faith, the manner of material faithfulness? Have we heard more loudly ever in recent memory the pounding questions of economic responsibility which entangle our current cultural moment just as they entangled the early church? Even the relatively secure confines of a college campus, the range of reality my colleague once called subsidized freedom here, now, carry echoes of these and other questions. Listen to the range of rhetoric from the week past. We need a bailout for the country, not for the country club. This has become a nation of whiners, a house on fire with the arsonists at large, a global catastrophe. We will all be living in our pajamas and other such sayings. Voices are rising, confidence falling, and we are all in the soup together. Is there any good news in the gospel today? There is good news in this well-recorded and well-remembered story known like the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son well beyond the bounds of church life. The phrase, render unto Caesar, lives in our common memory. And here four levels of grace and goodness touch us. Every gospel reading is like a choir anthem. If you hear the passage in harmonic splendor, you hear it well. There is the soprano voice, the voice of Jesus of Nazareth, carried to us from 2,000 years ago. There is the alto voice, the most important for us in any gospel reading, a privileged voice, you might say, the voice of the early church, which for its own discreet purposes remembered and retold the story. There is the tenor voice, the voice of the writer, today, today that of dear doer Matthew. And there is the baritone voice, which is in part your voice today, the rhythmic undercurrent of the passage and its understanding for 2,000 years in religious history. First, Jesus. The Pharisaic questioning, the dispute and dialogue, the prophetic visual image, the unwillingness to give ground, the riddling use of questions all point to the native soil of Jesus' own teaching. What a marvel to hear his voice clear as a bell 2,000 years hence. To this day, he holds up a coin and he asks questions. That is, in real time, on a real patch of earth, in the context of real relationships, amid religious and political tension, in a real moment of history, Jesus lived and died, taught and healed, was crucified and raised. A sure sign of hope, good news. Jesus stands in the midst of contentious debate and holds, holds up, holds out a coin. For every student, who has ever pondered which books not to buy for every couple which has ever struggled to decide about a house, for every man or woman looking hard at whether or not to retire, for every community wrestling an annual budget to the ground, for every congresswoman suffering the wrenching worries of how to vote on a bailout plan, for every person refinancing a mortgage, here is Jesus holding a coin and engaging, engaging us in a conversation about finance. Second, church. There is a reason we are hearing the words of the gospel in the way we are hearing them this morning. The church, many decades after Jesus, needed them. So the church remembered Jesus saying in a particular way about money. That is why we have these words at all, and that is why we have them in the shape we have them. If you miss this, you miss the truth of the gospel. When you are a college student, you may not remember everything your parents taught you growing up. After all, they said many things, didn't they? Maybe too many, certainly too many to remember them all at once. But then a moment comes when you have to make a decision. 
and you think about what you're going to do or say, spend or save, and you may remember something your parents told you, especially if they said something that is directly applicable to what you're going through, then you will perhaps recall their way of thinking when they said beggars can't be choosers, when they said you can only spend a dollar once, when they said a penny saved is a penny earned, when they said if wishes were horses, beggars would ride, and so forth. Well, the church did the same. When a word of Jesus was useful to them, they remembered it, recalled it, rehearsed it, recorded it. The church was and still is working out its relationships to nation and to God, to culture and to Christ, to country and to communion, to our commonwealth in heaven and our location on Commonwealth Avenue. Third, writer. Matthew tells the same story as do Mark and Luke, but he puts his own twist on it. Today's reading is remembered because it helped Matthew protect his community from the wrath of Rome. Christians would not avoid paying taxes. They rendered to Caesar his things. And in or near 90 AD, when Matthew was written, and the terror of Domitian the emperor was falling left and right, this passage became a saving umbrella. You may find, when you read Matthew, that he has many dark sayings embedded in his gospel. He does. It takes a worried man to sing a worried song, and Matthew is worried. He has reason to be. Christ was crucified. The temple was destroyed. The Lord had not returned. And the newest Caesar was rounding up apostates. Matthew had reason to be concerned. It shows in his gospel. So here he adds the epithet hypocrites to what Mark wrote, verse 18. Here he adds a line about the thought of Jesus to what Mark wrote, verse 17. Especially he emphasizes at the close that those who heard not only marveled, but also left and left him alone and went on their way, verse 22. Matthew writes to help, to save, and to protect his people at the end of the first century in the common era, as the church has done through the ages. John Wesley talked about money, too. He preached among poor people in England in the 1750s. He preached to coal miners, to sailors, to farmers, to women raising many children. He preached to people moving from the country to the city. He preached to people who were living on the edge of a changing economy. And so, like Matthew before him, he remembered what he could from his past that was useful to him. He told his poor Methodist this about money. Get all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And they did. And they prospered. And then they had other problems. But that's another story. Fourth, you. You are a refracted reading of the gospel itself. We stand in the service when the gospel is read to honor the gospel, but we also stand in the hearing of the gospel because in a refracted way you are the reading of the gospel. And it is up to us to be upstanding in the hearing of the gospel. Jesus speaks, church remembers, Matthew writes, you stand. Good news, good news, good news, good news. That is, you women and men who stood for the gospel a moment ago on this World Communion Sunday, stand for the Eucharist with people the world over, for you are the faces and hands of the good news. You will help others find access to their own best past when it comes to money. You will do so in your example. You will live exemplary lives when it comes to money. You will give generously 
10% a year to something, someone beyond yourself. You will avoid debt like the plague. When someone offers you the enticing shackles of debt, you will say, be gone. You will save 10% a year in anticipation of something unforeseen, someone unknown beyond yourself. You will see the challenge of saving as a sport, call it frugality. You will see the challenge of labor as a sport, call it industry. You will see the pressure of exact reporting as a sport, call it accounting. And you will exercise, develop, grow, and prosper. Debt is a measure of work yet to be done. Savings is a measure of work well done. And on that measure, as a people, we have plenty of work to do. Jesus held up a coin in the mode of Jeremiah the prophet. He reminded his hearers about responsibilities, spiritual and material. He taught his disciples that important but lesser loyalties cannot and must not eclipse one great loyalty. His church remembered in the midst of contention not to let any lesser loyalty eclipse their one great loyalty. And Matthew's gospel, for all its steadily encroaching darkness as the chapters progress, brightly acclaims here that lesser loyalties cannot and will not eclipse the one great loyalty of faith. And so now we say in colloquial American English, it is up to you. Just where do your loyalties lie? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Render to God what is God's. Amen.
dear friends who stand in the reading of the gospel and kneel for prayer, we hope to find you standing and kneeling at many points throughout the week in our life together here at Marsh Chapel. We hope to find you standing this afternoon as we go apple picking out in the orchards of Stowe, Massachusetts. You can join us at 1 p.m. on the plaza to head out there. We hope to find you kneeling on Wednesday evening at Teze Prayer here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We hope to find you standing again next Sunday following the service for our crop walk as we walk down the esplanade. You can sign up and learn more at cropwalkonline.org. We hope to find you kneeling next Sunday in worship and kneeling the following Friday as the Marsh Chapel Choir presents its Parents Weekend concert. And then finally, standing with us for the good news that is donuts and coffee on the BU Beach for the head of the Charles Regatta. Saturday morning, October 18th at 10.30 a.m. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
God, offer these gifts to you and your service throughout Boston University, the city, the country, and the world. Through Christ's name, amen. Beloved Christ, our Lord invites to his table all who love him, earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your law. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the need. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also with you. May we exchange signs of peace. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. He commissioned us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of all nations. And today his family in all the world is joining at his holy table. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the New Testament, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Spirit on, on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the world and strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully in your name. 
By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
join together in our prayer of thanksgiving. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we said in greeting, so we say in benediction, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 